Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, here we go. I hope I just didn't end it by accident. And we are live. Hello, this is Melinda Kunst from Hope When There Was None with my very charming and lovely guest, Marina. She's going to dive into shadow shadow work. Now, honestly, when we first talked, and I know I shared this with you, I was thinking it was a little dark, maybe a little witchy, and I was a little nervous, but you have put my mind at ease, and I feel more comfortable with diving into it and bringing it to everybody today, so I'm going to let you take it away. So let's go. Let's dive into this, and I'm going to have her links in the comments. It's also in the description of this. You will find this later in the podcast as well if you want to get in contact with her. That's on Anchor FM or wherever your favorite listening app is. And so let's go. Let's do this, girl. Amazing. Hi, Melinda. Hi, everybody catching this live or later. Um, I'm so grateful to be here to speak on two really potent topics, which are, yes, shadow work and inner child healing and how these two avenues for self-development are so essential to us stepping into our personal excellence, radical self-leadership, and ultimately shaping a better world for humanity. Because honestly, underneath all of that, we know that hurt people hurt people. And for as long as we carry trauma and unresolved pain in our subconscious and in our bodies, we will continue to act out in ways, usually unconsciously, that stop us from receiving and giving love. And it also allows us to spew out um, unresolved chaos, turmoil, and um, leftovers from our past onto innocent people that don't deserve it. And there's so much to be said there, which I will touch on later, but it's really important that we do this work, not just for ourselves, to see our own role in our own suffering and the way that we get in our own way and hinder ourselves from our purest and most expansive expression but also know that by doing this work, we are protecting other people from mistreatment and a lack of love on our part in all of our relationships. So <laughs> that's just like a, I guess a precursor. Um, maybe I should start just a little bit about my background or what really got me into the sign of work. How does that sound? That sounds really groovy for me. Oh, okay, amazing. Well, um, I come from a really adverse childhood. Um, I've moved through everything from, you know, domestic abuse to a lot of childhood neglect and abandonment to real um, shock trauma, as in like being uh, almost abducted when I was five, and then moving through an immigration process with my parents that I wasn't aware of. Like I didn't know that we were going to be moving to Canada. And one morning I just woke up and got shoved into a van. And wow. we drove from, <laughs> yeah, from Ukraine to Poland, got on a plane to Canada and never looked back. Wow. And then, you know, because my parents had such a hard time 
assimilating here, for lack of better words, in terms of like learning the language, starting from zero, figuring their life out in a new country with like limited resources. I was always on the brunt end of their frustration and their pain. And they just didn't have the capacity or space for me. And that had a devastating impact on my self-esteem and my self-worth. And of course, my worldview. And as you'll hear from me later, that really ended up shaping the way that I show up in the world on a day-to-day through my adult years. And also um, really limited my ability to experience love, give love, and to take ownership of my purpose and et cetera, et cetera. So I guess like um, having such a traumatic background, I was just desperate for healing, you know, and like, so that kind of led me, which I think it leads a lot of people to start seeking seeking for different healing modalities, different ways to be with themselves, different ways to learn how to have a better relationship with themselves and their inner child. And so like, it's, I guess maybe at the age of 18, I started getting into crystal healing and Reiki, and then that wasn't enough. So I got into studying every single style of yoga and becoming trained in it as a facilitator and teaching that. And that wasn't enough. And then I got into Pleiadian light work and energy healing and theta healing. And that wasn't enough until finally I started really immersing myself in this line of work, shadow work and inner child healing. And from then on, integrating somatic uh, somatic release therapy and other like theta healing tools. And only from there did I start to actually experience a shift in the way that I saw myself the way that I related with other people and my pain was no longer ruling my present. Mm. Like I was no longer at the mercy of my own wounds and at the mercy of my past. And then that's something that I've made my life mission to share with other people to help them really liberate themselves from who they've been coerced into being based on their past pain and trauma and intense circumstances within their family dynamics or just from life in general from their conditioning their socialization and like empower them to know that like we can live a life of self by design we are literally able to work within neuroplasticity and rewire our subconscious minds completely all of those limiting beliefs the limiting self-perception the limiting worldview we are able to discharge unfulfilled nervous system energies trapped in the body that didn't get fulfilled during the initial traumas that we went through. And I guess I'll speak more to the impact of that later, but like, (laughs) and it also really important to basically like disperse that trauma stored in our body from our cell memory, or else we keep living in our day to day as though we're still living in our trauma from before the body can't tell the difference. And yeah, okay, I'm just gonna stop there. And then I'm gonna go into all of those things one by one, as we continue to speak, because they're all very complex and, you know, robust topics. And I just wanted to introduce us to those little things first. As you're talking, and I hit all of those when I started my journey. And I I know that and looking for something, and I'm glad you touched on it, that this healing wasn't enough. This wasn't enough. And I like that you kept seeking out something because that was myself. My own path is like, okay, I've tried this drumming and 
there's got to be something else out there. What else can I incorporate? So I like that you kept searching until you found that one thing. And that's what I want to reiterate for anybody listening out there. Please, if you don't just assume, hey, you need to go on a therapy couch and just talk with a counselor. And I'm being silly. It's not necessarily the air in a couch, but you know what I mean? There are other modalities out there. Find one that fits you. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, different medicine for different times and different medicines for different people. I just think it's very important that the medicine that we do use accounts for all levels of the psyche and the body, because we know the experience of both are never siloed, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, like, this work is such a heavy hitter, or at least the way that I approach it, because I really integrate that somatic release therapy in with all the mindset mastery stuff. And every way that we like look at ourselves and analyze who we are and how we've become because like if it's not eradicated from the body the subconscious and the psyche will just like not let it go until those past experiences are fully integrated which we'll speak to in a moment like there's no point of working within the conscious mind because everything is locked in in the subconscious you know and the subconscious mind is our body is our cell memory which you know like so it's like there's no the way that we approach healing always needs to account for both levels which is so important yeah and that's something that's hardly ever addressed i didn't know that until i started really diving into uh, my woo a few years back and i i didn't know that you know the body keeps score that sort of thing i had no idea i thought it was just okay i was in an abusive relationship you know childhood stuff and now i'm free and that's it but i didn't realize how how deeply those those situations those experiences were stored in my body i had no idea but there there i go again go ahead honey (laughs) oh no no of course yeah exactly and it's not all that common knowledge today either it's just like both pieces need equal amount of attention and then you know like um the mind won't let go of something that it still feels like it needs on a body and subconscious level You know, like, let's say like we go through something challenging in our childhood. From there, we create a survival strategy that, let's say, worked at the time. However, as adults, we realize it creates more pain than gain. And now we're like, well, crap, I don't want to participate in this pattern or this tendency anymore. Consciously, I can see it. I know I don't want to do it anymore, but it's so challenging to shift the actual behavior because the body is going to be like, wait, I still need this. It hasn't been released from my central nervous system. It hasn't been released from my cell memory. So like, there's no way in heck I'm going to help you actually let go of that behavior because on a deep level, I still think I need it. You know, so it's just kind of like we do so much work with, you know, like shifting our thoughts and trying to speak kindly to ourselves and like letting go of poopy tendencies that constantly, you know, create chaos in our relationships or in how we show up in the world. But until it's tended on a somatic level in the body, we're going to keep experiencing inner resistance to actually making any progress. So I just find that so fascinating. It is. And, and a lot of victims now survivors going through that, um, going through that healing process. And I could see that pattern because they're not working on their healing or maybe they don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping this will definitely give them that nudge to know that there is a different modality out there and a, a way to get help. So they're not repeating that cycle of those behaviors going into new relationships. Oh my gosh, totally. And like how I introduce shadow work is maybe a little bit different than how people have been exposed to it before. I just usually say shadow work is an umbrella term 
that basically accounts for all the work that we do on the unconscious plane with the unconscious aspect of ourselves and the subconscious mind in order to reduce suffering and distress in our external reality. And, you know, like we are always looking to answer three questions just to make this super simple. It's like, why am I the way that I am? Why do I do the things that I do? And why do I feel about myself the way that I feel? And so shadow work to me is all about going in and analyzing all of our coping mechanisms, defense tactics, the way that we relate to others and ourselves, our addictions, behavioral addictions, not only substance and whatever the case is. Um, also like our fears, our insecurities, inadequacies, um, limiting where like our limiting self-perception and being like, hmm, where could that have come from? and doing the root cause analysis and the backwards investigation process between how we're showing up right now and what our personality traits are and the identities that we've taken on and where did they first originate from? And then going in to do the work around the original event, conditioning, trauma, socialization, where we were first taught that we needed to be this way or we got the impression that we were inadequate in a certain in a certain fashion and then going to integrate that first event and all the repressed emotions around it and that starts basically dismantling the glue that keeps that current tendency in place because how does okay um let's see what's important to know is that, like how trauma works and to broaden the definition of trauma, which I think is like something that I'd love to speak to more, but basically um, here, let's start with the fact that like trauma is universal. So that's something I really want everyone to know in this line of work in period. And it needs to be looked at on a spectrum. And there needs to be a lot more education around the fact that like trauma does not equate to tragedy. And most people are actually subject to something called developmental trauma, which is trauma due to unfulfilled needs. And it doesn't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be anything that happened like dramatic where you weren't fed for a week or, you know, like that you didn't have a home to stay, although that's definitely going to impact you. Sure. A lot of the time it just looks like you not receiving the amount of emotional attunement that you needed as a child as you your unique self not as just children in general each of us have different degrees of those core needs of being seen heard validated loved appreciated you get the memo here yeah, right exactly. and if those needs weren't fulfilled to the degree that we uniquely needed that creates trauma we then create impressions based on not being treated the way that we desperately needed to be treated and then we create core beliefs or core wounds, I call them, around like the impressions that we got from that as in like, okay, well, like I didn't feel like my mom would listen to me very often when I try to tell her about being bullied at school or like, let's say about not having any friends or whatever I wanted to tell my mom. And it's nothing personal. Let's say my mom had like four other siblings, was working two jobs, was just doing her very best to keep things together. As a child, like we don't know that, right? We don't right. understand. We see everything in absolutes, in black and white, and we make it all about us. We take everything personally. 
So as your little child self, the impression that gets ingrained is like, I'm not worthy of being heard. And that's the subconscious belief that's created at the time of, and we know that it's the subconscious mind that informs all of our conscious thoughts today. Right. Right. So it's kind of like during childhood, if you experience developmental trauma around some needs not being fulfilled, let alone going through like actual emotional or physical abuse, et cetera, that's going to be the core framework for all of your conscious beliefs. And then if we work within the metaphysical laws, we know we're always attracting a mirror to the subconscious beliefs that we carry on that level, not what we believe consciously, but what we believe subconsciously. And we keep attracting more of the same to like, uh, and then those events and people that make us feel that way are just sacred mirrors trying to show us what's left unhealed and what needs tending to so we can return to wholeness. Wow, that just blew my mind. <laughs> that, wow that really speaks to me and yeah okay I, I get that yes and wow. I guess like it's just very vast because you you could tell we're like we're looking at everything in terms of like who we are today and know that like taking that empowering stance of like what do I want to keep in myself and what has got to go so I could really live out my mission and my purpose and show up to myself and others from a place of personal excellence, right? And that's what the path of self-mastery is all about, right? And I believe shadow work is the ultimate avenue for those pursuing self-mastery because you're like, I'm gonna take the reins, I'm gonna take responsibility for who I've become, and then I'm gonna be really honest with myself and see what could use some shifting, upgrading, and evolving so I can really show up as my highest self in every domain of my life. And um, shadow work, I like the, I've address it or use it for four main domains in life. So identity and personality, since most of our identities were born from conditioning and trauma, and most of our personality traits are a trauma response <laughs> that we just like kept on for our entire lives to stay safe and lovable. Then of course there's relationships. Um, because our attachment style and how we relate with other people and what we need from them and what our triggers are in relationship come from our upbringing and our usually developmental trauma as well. And then um, also I look at the anatomy of trauma. So the biology of trauma and how that actually really harms our health if we don't start discharging and integrating what we've stored in the body over our lifetimes. And last but not least, um, what did I want to say here? Yeah, personality, identity, relationships. Oh, and relationship with self. Hmm. So those are like the four domains. I think it's really important for us to like why this work is really impactful is because it helps create shift around all of those areas in our lives. And that's got to be big for somebody out there watching right now that is... Um because I know of off the top of my head, a few people, they are in that victim mentality and they may not believe that they have anything that they need to work on, but in order to heal, because I knew I had stuff, I had junk I needed to work on. I had things I didn't like, things that I brought to my past, relate. you know, I, I owned it. I had to own the bad stuff, the negative stuff too. So that's big for some, thank you. I, it's not just me thinking that. <laughs> You said that. We yes. can't change what we don't confront. Right. 
and what we resist persists. Yeah. So this work is like so powerful, but we have to be ready to embrace humility, to be brought to our knees and experience many dark nights of the soul as we keep shedding and peeling back all these layers of identity, all these personality traits that we love because they're so familiar, right? They safe. help us feel safe, they, they yeah, feel safe. comfortable, yeah. never take us out of our comfort zone. But we, as adults, I, most of us, I think, start to realize that our autopilot isn't necessarily most of the time all that great. We're wow. often very reactionary beings who love to numb, distract, avoid, and escape. Right. And we're like, oh, wow, like I want to be more engaged in my life. I want to take responsibility for who I am and my place in the world and et cetera, et cetera. And then we start to realize like, oh, and our autopilot is usually very unconscious. So now we have to start like looking inwards and like often in my containers, I'm in the mirror, right? I'm like, let me identify in you what it's too hard to see in yourself. And then let's embrace it with love. So this is the core fundamental of shadow work and inner child healing. It's not about like shaming yourself for right. being the way that you are and also creating distance between you and your trauma to get away from it. It's all about meeting what was first met with judgment and fear with love in a beautiful embrace where you're like, I'm still, even with this, I'm still lovable. And I embrace and accept that which happened to me. And I'm willing to leverage my past pain and see the gifts in it and create wisdom out of my wounds. Yes. And I love that because I, I, you did something in the group because I belong to your group and in the group, I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's where I looked at a past thing that I had for um, receiving whatever the experience was. I'm not going to go through it now, but I just thought all my past negative junk was my ex. It's like, well, he made me this way. <laughs> this is because of him or, or my stepdad did this. And it's like, oh, it was like a light bulb moment for me. It's like, no, it wasn't either of them guys. It was because some kids in grade school did something to me. And it was totally out of the blue. It was like, whoa, it blew my mind. It humbled me a lot. But then I was able to go ahead and do more further healing. So thank you for that. I never told you about that. So it's Yes. Thank you. And so much of the way that we are today originates from the bullying we experience too. It's just like we learn to be a certain way or not to be a certain way because of the bullying we endured. Right. And that set the stage for how we showed up in the rest of our lives. And that's why like even in our title, it's like looking at how childhood wounds still impact us today. Every part of our childhood created the framework for every part of our behavior, perception, and the way that we navigate the world as adults. And mm -hmm. there's no way to go around it. Exactly. And we have Jason that just chimed in here, wisdom out of the wounds. Yes, wisdom out of wounds. That's very powerful. Yes. Oh, and like Thank turning our pain Jason. into our purpose, right? Like, I know those are like exactly. little webliners, but like, how else are we supposed to show up in an empowered way if we're not going to leverage our past experiences, understand how they've impacted us, and make gold out of our shit, for lack of better words. Use right. it to help other people. Use it to heal our own relationships. Use it to really like help ourselves see what we've tolerated, endured, and survived, and realize how much strength, capacity, and compassion 
originated within us out of those experiences and how we can bring them to the world now and assist others with that as well, whether in personal dynamics or in our greater sphere, in our communities like you do, like I do, empowering survivors, telling them that there is another way to live and it can be so much more richer and fuller. Yes. All right. So let's dive into it. So what, what else, what's the next step? Okay. Hmm. There's a few things I wanted to touch on, but like, as people may have alluded to already, it's just a lot of work on self-esteem and self-worth, because those are the things that get tarnished the most when we go through childhood conditioning and trauma, because like, um, childhood conditioning pertains to like how our caretakers told us to be, what we witnessed other people being shamed for that we didn't want to get shamed for too. And also, um, kind of like what we learned through the TV in terms of like gender roles and what was lovable and what was not. And also like the experiences where we were hurt for being ourselves or neglected for being ourselves where we learned not to be that any longer. Okay, okay where do I wanna go from here? Mm, here, let me pop up a few slides so I could give, give some more definitions and then we can go into depth on those things. How does that sound? That sounds good to me. Perfect. I'm just going to share my screen here. Boop. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Just going to start here. Okay. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Perfect. And you can see the screen okay? I can't. Let me try and give you, let me try this. Mm-hmm. Nope. I can see the screen, but I can't see your slides. Ah, okay. Interesting. Oh, here, one second. Okay, share. Oop. Okay, here we go. Let's see if that works. Okay, how about now? Opa! Yay! Okay. So before we go any further, let's just like really broaden the definition of shadow work here. And I'm just going to touch on these four points. So this is um, an avenue for self-mastery where we do a lot of inner engineering and inner work to liberate ourselves from the past, um, to stop allowing our trauma to take the wheel in our relationships and the way that we relate with other people. And ultimately, it's the ultimate path to deep self-knowing, self-awareness, and self-discovery. And within this line of work, as we look at all of our current tendencies, like we talked about our fears, our inadequacies, our insecurities, our coping mechanisms, our autopilot, we are looking to, in turn, unpack our past and start drawing meaning to the experiences that shaped us. We're like, again, hmm, what could have happened to me for me to start believing that I'm unworthy, for example, of love or unworthy of being heard or that I deserve to suffer or whatever subconscious beliefs we start to discover are running the show. And they're usually like easy to discover even in the subtle inner voices that we have in our head when the ego speaks through and it says stuff like, um, I have to struggle for success 
or nobody loves me or I'm unsupported or nobody ever cares. It's like those little subtle voices in our inner narrative that start to disclose to us oftentimes what we actually feel and believe about ourselves and the world. And we get to explore and discover all of that in this work. Like what really is in that deep, dark closet of our subconscious mind and how is it ruling our lives? Another big part of the work is kind of what I touched on. It's about unveiling false identities that we've taken on to compensate for our perceived inadequacies and also to remain safe and loved in the world. So through our parenting, modeling, socialization and conditioning, we are shown what qualities are welcome and acceptable and will and will make sure that we experience belonging in life and which qualities are not so welcome, which will receive rejection and put us in line of emotional threat. So due to this information intake as children, we're like, okay, I'm going to build an identity around this thing that I learned was lovable. I'm going to take on these personality traits because they're going to protect me from rejection. And then basically we live within those identities and personality qualities our entire lives. And that's just like one gigantic survival strategy that's trying to protect us from harm. And usually as adults, we begin to realize, wow, like this identity that I keep reinforcing, this mask I keep putting on, this role I keep fulfilling, like feels bad and is exhausting. And I'm tired of not be, being myself. So like, how do I start releasing it and letting it go so I could tune into my core essence and show up as a soul in the world instead of everything that I've told myself I have to be. And basically, um, with the whole false identities aspect, with my clients, I always notice people taking on um, very common four archetypes that we work on dismantling together. And they're the people pleaser, the martyr, the workaholic, and the control freak, amongst many others that I could share. Um, and those you can tell like those identities or roles or let's I call them self-sabotage archetypes. They're usually built from living in a hostile or volatile environment as a child where we learned that we had to be a certain way to gain love and affection and to avoid that emotional threat or rejection. So like the people pleaser, for example, it's like usually people pleasers are people um that grew up with parents that they had a really hard time gaining the validation of or the attention of and they were taught that they have to hustle for affection and that love is something that's earned and doesn't come freely and then they were also taught that when they oftentimes don't align with their parents' beliefs or their parents' agenda for them that they're going to get punished or that love is transactional. So they're not going to receive love if they do something that their parents don't like. Therefore, they build this people pleaser archetype within themselves that they subscribe to regularly to make sure that they can keep getting their needs met by their primary caregivers. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That, that was me. Right? Yes, me too. Like, I, it's so funny, because like, I do genuinely believe like we attract based on frequency. And people that align with us are usually have similar paths. So I always notice this in all my clients, too, because I'm like, Oh, yep, you have this, you have that I see this profile so distinctly. And I'm like, it's so clear to me, because I've been there too. And oh, like, <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you. But 
Mm -hmm. Can you be like uh, some of these sprinkled about or are you set a people pleaser or are you set somebody that's a workaholic? Can you be a sprinkling of a little bit of all these? Oh, yes. Uh, usually all of the above apply and a okay. bunch of other ones, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I'm special, but OK. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Like, usually it's just kind of, it really depends on like, um, how you are uniquely impacted. However, most people have a whole array of all of these archetypes within them that they play into as necessary. You know, like, on the fundamental level, we're just trying to survive and avoid emotional threat you know, more let down, more, more rejection, more abuse, or someone withholding love from us. So we just go into the strategy that works. And these archetypes are survival strategies that have worked in the past, that of course, we want to start ditching now as adults, by effectively doing the work to unpack where they came from. And then also uh, reframing those situations so we can leverage like our past experiences so they can empower us and then learn how to be in the world without those um, strat without those strategies, ultimately. Like, what does it look like for someone to have their needs met without having to sacrifice, you know, like who they are or their desires or take abuse or whatever the case is? Awesome. And then, of course, we're also looking to identify like all elements of the self that we reject, neglect and deny on a regular basis, because one core part of shadow work, too, is knowing that like what we don't own owns us. And just because and like usually what we judge and shame in another person is something that we've disowned in ourselves. So for as long as we have a bunch of stuff within us that we've disowned ourselves from and that we constantly like um, judge ourselves for, um, we will never be uh, in our wholeness or integrated. And it's often looking at all the things that we have. Yeah. As a part of our shadow, it's like, ew, gross. Like I would never want to be lazy or like for lots of workaholics, the profile is like, um, they can't stand laziness. They can't stand, um, you know, being weak. They can't stand being vulnerable. And at, at the end of the day, like we created these disowned aspects of ourselves because we were taught that like, if we are, let's say in this case, lazy or weak or vulnerable, that people won't value us as much or that they're going to take advantage of us or that we're not going to be a good worker like our parents always told us to be. So like we spend our entire lives trying to make sure that we're not these qualities and we like disown them so much that we stop seeing them in ourselves, even though we still do them unconsciously, you know, and it's all about like embracing them with love and, you know, being with ourselves enough to be like, hey, I'm still lovable, even if I'm like this and no one's unlovable if they're lazy and like doing the work around that to like fully embrace it and accept it. And then it becomes like, no longer a disowned part of us and then we stop judging it in ourselves and in other people that's like in a nutshell if that makes sense that makes sense and then lastly like rewiring the subconscious mind of old outdated belief systems and integrating the trauma locked into our body so basically whatever traumas that we went through as children because most of us often disassociated 
Um, we didn't really get to process the event fully or all the emotions that came up for us because our organisms didn't just have the capacity to actually feel through all the big feelings that came up for us. So those like first the trauma gets locked into cell memory in our central nervous system, and then it gets shoved down and cemented in by all the repressed emotions that we didn't get to feel at the time of. So basically in order to work and integrate that trauma out of our bodies, we have to go back to the origin event. And then we have to process all those unfelt emotions that were repressed real time. And that's where I incorporate the somatic release work. And this doesn't mean that we have to have a specific memory in mind. Sometimes these things go so far back that we just can't identify the memory like consciously. However, there's still leftovers of it in the body and we can just access it through the body through felt sensation all on its own. So usually I either work with people by accessing the memory and we work through it and feel through all the emotions and release it from the body real time. Or we start just using, um, we ask the body or the subconscious mind to reveal to us where the repressed emotions live in the body and they begin to surface one by one and we tackle it that way. And then those outdated belief systems in the subconscious that are locked in through those repressed energies begin to um, loosen their hold over us and we can start creating new, more empowered belief frameworks that empower our conscious mind, if that makes sense. That does. That sounds so powerful too. <laughs> and do you have anything to add here before I go on? Because I know you're well-versed in this as well. And I'm sure like if you have any golden nuggets coming through, it would be great for, you know, for us to open that up here. Well, I guess just the whole thing, um, if somebody's watching, they've never experienced anything like that before. It's not a one session, you're done. This is going to take time for somebody out there watching. It took this much time in order for you to start um, practicing these behaviors, if you want to call it that, or having these, these emotions ingrained in your body. So it's not going to take uh, just an afternoon with Marina here to, to heal it all. It's going to take time. Yes, exactly. I won't work with anybody for less than six months of weekly sessions or actual trend with people is a year to three years together because it takes us a lifetime of cementing these ways of being, right? And right. we keep subscribing to them on a daily basis and they become our primal way of functioning. So in order to dismantle them and release all like all of that in our body, it's going to take time and adjustment and our ego is going to resist us the entire way through. Oh, yeah. So we have to do it at a really like slow and loving pace, you know, that feels safe to your inner child and your subconscious because it all feels dangerous because again, you're giving up everything you've been that is known to be someone that like, you know you are deep down. However, it's incredibly scary to let go of all the survival strategies you've used your entire life to keep you safe and be put out there like on a new frontier, completely vulnerable and exposed without using what's worked in the past. Thank you for that. Thank you. 
Yes, of course. And I'm just going to jump on here. And like the subconscious mind rules everything around us. It's the content in the subconscious that shapes and influences all of our fears, our behavior, our self-concept, our conscious thoughts, that inner critic, that inner narrative, and all of our perceptions, like our worldview and how we perceive ourselves. Therefore, it's like that's why the work really needs to be on more of this like unconscious subconscious plane because that's where the roots to all of our stuff lives, which I feel like is often missed sometimes, you know, while, while doing inner work. And the empowering element of all this is that like you are entirely up to you. So we are through shadow work and inner child healing, we're given the tools um, to basically um, unpack everything that's made us who we are today and decide for ourselves who we want to be in the future. Because our psyche, our belief systems, our mind is malleable, our body is healable, and we are completely able to choose and be sovereign in how we want to be moving forward. And we can use all these tools and the perspective shifting available to us through this work to really step into that and rise into our fullest potential and really pursue a life of self-actualization instead of living in survival all the time, when most of the time we don't even know we're living in survival. And so like inner child work, which is like a facet of shadow work, I call it like a psycho-spiritual exploration of the self where we are kind of like I mentioned earlier, we're looking at our sensitivities like our insecurities, our fears and inadequacies and being like, wow, like when was I first taught or shown or gained the impression of like these things as a child? Who first made me believe that I'm inferior? Who first showed me that, let's say, like I'm unworthy or ugly or not wanted or a burden? Like, where did that really come from? Like, where did I pick up on that? And what kind of pain do I have stored within me from that event? And we're looking at the origins of our patterns. Like, again, it's like, how do we cope? When did we first learn to cope like that? Most of our coping mechanisms and defense tactics are from something we cultivated in childhood and we just kept using them our entire lives, even if, again, they create more harm than good. And also we are looking at like, how do we take care of ourselves? And usually we look at like, how do we participate in our own self-abuse, self-abandonment, self-neglect and self-betrayal? Usually like if we weren't given again, the care, the support, the love, or our needs fulfilled to the degree that we needed as children, we internalize that and start treating ourselves that way too. And now we get to be like, oh shit, like I betray myself all the time by being this way. Oh crap, I abandoned myself and my needs in every situation with my partner. Like, where did that come from? How else do I participate in my own self-abuse where I constantly put myself last, for example, or always prioritize other people or never allow myself to rest or always feel like I have to be in control of everything and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So we can start dismantling those tendencies and also looking at our inner narrative because usually the way that we talk to ourselves is the way that our parents talk to us and we internalize that and that's a big part of the way that we speak to ourselves 
and also our wounded inner child speaks through the ego to us on a regular basis as well through those internal voices and that gives us hints and insight on a regular basis as to what our subconscious limiting beliefs are because those are beliefs of that wounded inner child that's constantly speaking to us and last but not least, like we're looking at underlying unconscious motives to our behavior. So for as long as we have voids within us of unfulfilled needs from the past and wounding around that, we'll continuously experience subconscious drivers that we don't even realize are in action that are um, influencing our behavior day to day in our relationships and in life in general where we are often like participating, let's say in codependency and, you know, manipulating other people and how they show up to us by um, being a certain way, like being the people pleaser, right? Being the doormat, being the martyr. We're constantly trying to, in the best sense of the word, manipulate the other person so they love us, so they still want to be with us, so they don't leave us, so they don't abandon us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So basically, we're looking at like, ooh, okay, what kind of unfulfilled needs do I have? Why, like, how do I often manipulate other people to treat me a certain way so I could protect myself? And of course, we're always looking to decode our triggers and looking at that in our relationships and in life in general and where they came from. And our childhood experiences and early trauma impact all parts of the human condition. And that trauma we experienced basically contorts and alters the way that we go on to experience ourselves, the way that we receive life, and ultimately the way that we navigate the human experience. Because kind of like we mentioned earlier, like it addresses and um, what's it called? All of our identity, the layers of identity we've taken on is from the conditioning, socialization, trauma, and modeling we went through. Our personality traits are mostly born of trauma. They're the ways that we learn to be as a means of self-preservation and survival. Our perception is deeply warped by the experiences we went through before because our inner child feels like our past predicts our future. And we're constantly looking at other people and life from that wounded lens and the pain of our past. And then of course, the, our childhood influences our patterns because we want to repeat what's familiar no matter what the cost is. Mm -hmm. And we continue to cope with life the way that we first learned to in response to trauma as children. And then last but not least, as a full recap, it trauma locked in the body continuously agitates our central nervous system. It suppresses our immunity and it actually ends up leading to terminal illness. And I bring this up a lot with like Gabor Mate's work is that like he's been able to link different developmental trauma and tendencies that people have carried out their entire lives to the terminal illnesses they end up dying from at a later age. So if we don't work to discharge the trauma stored in our cell memory, in our nervous system and in our bodies effectively, it'll lead us to ALS and cancer and other terminal illnesses that will bring us to our end. And so like that brings me to like giving a broader overview of trauma, kind of like I began, it's like trauma didn't need to be tragedy. It could have just been those simple needs not being fulfilled to the degree that you needed them to be. And also trauma is not necessarily the event that occurred. 
It's not what happened to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. So those limiting subconscious beliefs born of the experience you went through is the trauma that's carried within you that continues to warp the way that you experience yourself and other people in your life. Because once we're, when we're hurt through trauma at a younger age or any time in our lives, we, there's a wound that's created within us. And the wound has two qualities. It's raw and sensitive, right? So usually when we're triggered, it's because an open wound is being touched. We are being reminded of something that had occurred in the past that hurt us deeply. And usually we respond or actually we react in the same way that we reacted as a child. And then we, what's created on top of the wound inside us is scar tissue, which has two qualities. It's protective and it's hard. And this can basically speak for the tendencies that we've learned to take on in order to protect us from being hurt in the same way again. So that's often um, people become either like avoidant or they're scared of commitment or um, they're extremely like, they're always distracted. So they become workaholics or they become that people pleaser or a martyr. This becomes like the scar tissue that prevents them from being wounded again. And I think this is a really easy and simple way to really understand um, the impact of trauma and what it really means when it comes to our organism. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that does. Perfect. And then I wanted to end with this before we chat some more openly. It's like, oh, it's really important to start looking at our day to day lives and what triggers us and the kind of relationship dynamics we keep finding ourselves in and what causes emotional friction and irritation in our lives. Because usually, unless we're radically mindful in doing the work, when we are triggered by an event that again reminds us of the past, let's say when we felt not respected by our parents or not appreciated or neglected, and we feel that way again in a current present life relationship, we usually regress to the version of ourselves that went through that trauma initially and we respond from there, meaning that we usually respond in fight, fight, freeze or fawn. And we know that like, that's usually not a conscious response. It's a reaction and it just creates more turmoil and chaos in our relationships and in the situation. So without addressing the origin um, of basically our tendencies, our core wounds, we are gonna continue to be reactive whenever we feel triggered and we'll usually feel triggered quite a bit in our day-to-day -day lives because that's just how our physiology and our organisms work. If you've experienced, you know, any kind of developmental trauma and conditioning that was harmful. And so like, usually it'll look like um, behavior out of these four categories. And if we don't want to be like this anymore, we have to do that root cause analysis, integrate the trauma and create replacement strategies and learn how to respond mindfully when we're triggered instead of falling back into these old tactics. So like we often see like, you know, like the people pleaser, the martyr, the doormat, which are most of the archetypes I work with, that is a fawn trauma response. Those are survival strategies born of the fawn category. 
that basically your body goes straight into that response, that reaction, because that's what worked for you as a kid. And now we're like, oh, okay, this is a trauma response right now. I'm going to learn how to, a big part of the work is learning how to self-soothe and self-regulate in the moment and reparent the inner child real time while also then going in at a later time to actually start processing and healing the wound that it's associated with. Do you have any feedback for me on this? Because I know that we're like most of us in this realm are familiar familiar with like fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. However, like sometimes like there's loose strings in terms of like how does that actually pertain to trauma work and how do we connect the dots with that, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just digging listening to you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to add. It's just it's so informative and just wow mind-blowing about how deep it really can go really and truly all right it's just so interesting because we get to become the ultimate detectives yes. and investigators in our lives and that's so yes. fulfilling for the intellect because we want to understand right healing right. is not just like uh re about resolution it's also about create like creating meaning because that's the brain's job and like tying it all together and understanding the cause and effect of like all the things that have happened in our lives and why we are the way that we are it's like the ultimate pursuit of self-discovery and you know when we the deeper we understand ourselves the more we can understand and have compassion for other people mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the time when we have relational trauma even if like, you know, relations with our parents, maybe like from being bullied, whatever the case is, it is meant to be healed too in a relational setting. So usually when we go into a new relationship with friends or partners, they become like a sacred mirror for us and they begin to trigger all of our old stuff so we could pursue it for deeper healing. And usually we're gonna be triggering them too. So it's like by being aware of all of our reactive behavior and survival strategies, we can understand theirs and then help one another like really process what happened to each other and how to move beyond it in any container that we have with anybody. And that's interesting because what if you find out that the people that you're hanging with aren't necessarily good for you? So that would actually be really good to learn mm -hmm. because maybe you need to find a different tribe. Of course. Yeah. And like, I, we always remember it's like hurt people, hurt people, yeah. but we have to discern around people who are doing the work so they can stop hurting people and people that aren't, you know? Right. And at the end of the day, like our inner world is our outer world. So we're, we're going to continue to experience reflections of the past until we do the healing necessary within to like create true resolution and integration of what took place. And I want to say that like oftentimes with like trauma work or this line of healing, people are like, okay, if I do enough work, the triggers are going to disappear completely. And that's the goal when really that's like, that'll never happen. Like your trauma is forever. And I'm going to say that in the most empowering way possible. What shifts with this work is that we're able to change the way that we relate to our pain and not show up to um, the stuff that triggers us so reactively so we can be a lot more conscious with it, more loving with it and learn how to regulate ourselves through the times that we get dysregulated by our triggers 
So we have a completely different experience of ourselves and of other people altogether. It's like, because those triggers are never going to go away. It's all about how we were able to shift our relationship to our triggers and respond to them more consciously and lovingly day in and day out as they become present. And then that allows them to be a little more null and a lot more manageable. Definitely. Okay, so I'm going to pop out here and then we can chat further. Let me just see. Stop sharing. Okay. Okay, so uh, I just love to bring in the fundamentals. There's just like so much to say. And I'm just like, ooh, like, what would be most valuable at this time that'll equip people with some kind of tools to start looking at themselves and their relationships a little bit differently? Because like a miracle is a shift in perception, right? So all right. of this work is all about perspective shifting, reframing, and creating loving and conscious resolution around what was so it no longer rules our lives and the way that we relate with ourselves and other people right 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 because i know just from my own past being felt like i was being in bondage from certain situations and learning to help heal that it was just uplifting and so um, eye-opening i have a lot of response that people that never knew me back then see me now and they're like, well, it doesn't look like you ever went through any kind of trauma. What, what did you go through? Because you're always smiling. You're always happy. It's because I did the work. It was scary. I had to be vulnerable. As you mentioned, it's a very vulnerable time when you kind of shed you're, you're naked, all those experiences, uh, you know, just metaphorically, you're naked, you're, you're allowing yourself to feel maybe things you don't want to feel and you might feel icky about it or that shame that you mentioned. And um, yeah, I, I did the work. I did, and as you well did too, because looking at you, you're like, you probably didn't go through anything, sister. What are you talking about? But you did. You went through a lot of crap. And look at you now. Look at you now. And, and what made you decide, okay, I want to help other people? What was that pivotal moment? Did some? Did you have divine appointments, or what was it exactly that made you make that shift to help? I think it's just like that one concept that our pain is our purpose, like really landed for me. And that really helped me be like, okay, um, it makes sense why I went through all these things. It can't be for nothing. Like I, it gave me the ammunition, the insight and the wisdom that like, it couldn't have just been just for me. There's so many other people struggling and suffering with exactly the same thing. We're not all that unique when it comes down to it. You know, we all have the same needs. I don't know about you, but <laughs> we were all terrified of rejection. We've sure. all been, you know, mistreated and hurt in the past from different parties, whatever the case is. And we all need to, you know, re-experience our own love and heal our relationship with ourselves because we just weren't taught how to do that, like, or how to have a good relationship with ourselves in school or even within family dynamics. This wasn't common knowledge. So I guess, like, what propelled me to offer this now is, like, it's like, I know, again, it wasn't for nothing. I believe that, like, we're meant to take people as far as we've taken ourselves, too, and, like, be the guidepost for them and, like, the the sacred mirror if possible. And also it's just like, I believe we're all here to build the new earth, you know, and how do we go about like, you know, helping humanity heal and shift into a way more higher frequency reality? Well, I think it's all about us tending to our past and our pain. And if I have a little extra insight in that, I might as well 
pour into other people and help them illuminate, you know, stuff in their reality that's keeping them hindered and in self-sabotage so they can rise out of that too. And like we heal in community. And with this work, it's really potent to have someone being that mirror for you because most of the time it's like, it's unconscious for a reason. Your ego doesn't want you to discover that you're like this because it's working. It is keeping you safe to a degree. Again, it is familiar. It doesn't make you like, you know, leave your comfort zone. And the ego's role is to protect you, right? Right. And keep you in what's safe. So it doesn't want you to discover these tendencies. It doesn't want you to dissect your autopilot and start shifting because that propels you into new territory where you won't be protected by your old tendencies and you'll be subject to potential more rejection or letdown or emotional threat. So it's like, we need things that like spark our consciousness and help us look inward to specific things that a part of us doesn't want us to ever find out. So it's a very interesting, you know, arena to play in for sure. It is. And thank you for sharing that. And in, from talking with the many guests that I have, it's been remarkable. They all share that same, I think only maybe a couple are never had any kind of background with this. They just felt compelled and they liked it. But usually people that have this sort of background do end up in some capacity helping others just and knowing it's almost knowing in their knower that this was meant for for something bigger, something greater, that they didn't just go through this crap just to go through it, that there was something that was supposed to come out of it. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. And I do believe like our mind's purpose, like it's a meaning making machine. So like we, we can learn about like, oh, what kind of stories am I telling myself about Mm -hmm. myself from the past? What kind of narrative am I participating in? What am I making this mean about myself? and see how we're getting in our own way in the day to day. But then we can also use it consciously to assign meaning so that the things empower us instead of disempower us. So I always wanna use that function of the mind. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna assign the meaning to those past experiences and look at them as initiations into my greatest evolution. I'm gonna look at all those times that I've been crucified by my circumstances as portals into my becoming and into my deepest wisdom and i'm gonna now use that to serve humanity versus like oh my god all those events deteriorated me i've spent thousands of dollars on healing like oh my goodness what a drag now i'm behind in life i'm like i don't want to assign that kind of meaning like that doesn't help me at all and we know like the way that we speak to ourselves our brain literally like takes it in and that shapes our reality So instead, I'm just going to be like, actually, I do realize it's really given me act like it's shown me the depth of stamina, capacity and resiliency that I have within myself, the ability that I have to remain soft in a world that keeps trying to make you hard. And I'm going to allow myself to see that like, wow, like I survived that. And I'm going to use that as a part of my strength instead of like a part of my weakness because of, you know, how much I've been like tarnished and trampled by the world and its circumstances. And that's beautiful because I'm sure we all know somebody that has been through similar or circumstances and they become hard. They become that bitter person, the person you don't want to be around. I love that about you. And you could tell it just oozes out of you. It really does. (laughs) 
Thank and you like, for bringing that to point. Oh, thank you. And I wanted to bring up before, because we we're talking about like we can get stuck in victim mode. But yes. I want to say in the sign of work, it's really important to honor the place of victimhood okay. and to actually spend time with our past experiences and be in that energy. Because at that time, we weren't able to acknowledge how much deep pain we went through and actually give ourselves all the soothing and the care and the TLC that we needed. So now as we do that in our present time and we look at what happened to us, it's very important to allow ourselves to go into that victim mentality and then step in as our adult self simultaneously and love our inner child that went through that up completely and mm -hmm. reassure that inner child of like, wow, you did go through something so challenging. And I can see how that tore your heart and blew it wide open. And I can't imagine what it's like to carry that kind of scarring day in and day out. And it's just like, let me remind you of everything you forgot you were. And that is the biggest part of integration. It's like allowing yourself to feel all the pain, the agitation, the frustration, the heartbreak that you didn't get to at the time of, and then be with that inner child that lived through that and give it everything it needed and allowing it to be in its pain in a safe way. You cry. It's <laughs> <laughs> so powerful. That is so powerful. And just to give myself a hug, that is very powerful. I love your sweetness. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. So if somebody out there is watching, what is, I've got all the links here for them to contact you. They can make an appointment to, to have a conversation with you, correct? Yes. Yeah, so what I'm offering right now, if this brought up something in someone, there was a trigger, something sensitive began to be identified. Um, I offer illumination sessions, which basically we will dive deep in something that, you know, like got your attention or triggered you in from this conversation. And we can start like processing whatever is necessary around that and then create a roadmap for your recovery within our session itself. So it's a paid consult where we do some deep diving together and start creating a strategy for how you're going to move forward and addressing the core wound behind what you're experiencing and how you can empower and support yourself day in and day out with self-regulation tools and deeper self-awareness. And then if you're keen on plunging into a rebirth capsule, like my one-on-one -on -one sacred mentorship container, then we can also look into that and what that looks like. And usually that's again, Within, for a six month continuum to a year plus and it's weekly sessions and we are constantly flowing between looking at your current tendencies, fears, inadequacies, insecurities and doing that backwards investigation process as to where that came from and then doing sessions that focus on strictly body work and energy healing to dismantle the trauma in your subconscious and ultimately your nervous system and your body. And then sometimes people are like, Ooh, yes, like I feel a resonance. But like, again, like when we go through trauma as children, we usually disassociate and we forget because we suppress it so deeply. So most people I work with at first, they're like, I don't have any trauma, but I think I need to, I need to do this because I'm such a doormat and a people pleaser and a workaholic. And I'm like, great, let's start there. But I'm also gonna do some shadow astrology for you. 
So there's very different elements in your personal natal chart that speak to core wounding and the subconscious mind and um, your childhood um, usually issues. So I usually pull reports for them based on those parts of their unique natal chart. And then we use that as a roadmap. And then as we start unpacking those things in their lives, and it's always so relevant, it just like blows my mind. I usually do this one report on the Chiron asteroid. And it's usually gives you like so much stuff on the person. And then every time I reveal that to the client, they're like, oh my goodness, like it's all true. And I'm like, okay, great. We'll just start with this. And then everything else will be disclosed in due time. Because we trust God as a part of all this too, universe, spirit, right? right? So usually we just need it somewhere to start. And the more comfortable you get with this work and the more emotional capacity and resiliency that you build, because that's our number one focus too. It's like building the ability to hold big emotion and big events that what happened to you and in present life, the more your inner child is willing to disclose stuff to you because mm -hmm. your subconscious mind won't just take you to all the most painful things in your life until it feels safe with you. So we're always working on you building that healthy relationship with how you treat yourself and your inner child on a regular basis. So it gives us more information when we do the body work because I take you into hypnosis and then we start speaking to your inner child, wounded inner child personalities. And then you start getting messages and then we're taken to where the trauma lives in your body. But we won't be shown unless the inner child trusts that you're actually going to take care of it this time and be a nurturing and loving container for its processing and healing. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. That's deep and, and so exciting. It really is. It's very exciting. I'm, yeah, I'm excited that it's available to all of us. Yes. You know, it's like, yep, we're all so like, all is shown to those with the eyes to see. Ooh. So if we're seeking this depth of healing and to reinvent ourselves from the inside out and to really pursue that self mastery and self actualization in this reincarnation, then like, you know, we start looking for it consciously and unconsciously. And then these kind of containers or resources drop in for us to make headway in that pursuit. And that's just a magical part of being alive, I feel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take you back to when you very first started. And what were the questions you needed to ask yourself, right? Uh, so someone's watching this right now, and maybe they're on the fence, but what were those questions that they can ask themselves right now before, if they're thinking, well, I don't know if I want to contact her just yet, but what were those key questions to ask? Um, first, I'd be like, do I keep dating the same person with a different face? Because we will continue, as you know, to repeat the same relationship dynamics right. day in and day out with different people until we resolve what's attracting us to them to begin with. You know, and what kind of old pain are we just looking to repeat? Because we we usually like, I know you heard of this too. It's like oftentimes we just attract people that rep are replicas of our core abusers. Mm -hmm. Because again, we think that like now we'll be in a safe place to heal with them by repeating what happened in a safe container. Right. 
So like, that's the first thing it's like, Ooh, I noticed that I'm always dating people that I feel like don't hear me or validate my needs or are constantly gaslighting me or putting me down for being too much or being a burden or for like uh, being upset with their emotional unavailability, for example. It's like, Ooh, okay. You probably have a lot of, a lot of unresolved stuff. I know I had all of that. That's why I'm saying that in a really loving way. <laughs> me too. So at relationship dynamics. It's like, are you unsatisfied with the way that your relationships keep playing out and they're full of triggers and you notice that this person barely changes from one person to the other. And then another question is like, um, What's it called? How much do I participate in my own self-abandonment? Meaning like I have needs or emotions, but I don't let myself feel them or I don't give them the actual time of day and I don't have actual self-care practices or rituals or I always sacrifice my needs for the needs of others and have resentment or you know what I mean? I always um, fall into toxic humility and let people take advantage of me or have relationships with people don't value who I am and what I bring to the table. That kind of question. <laughs> and then also, what else would I ask? Um, it's like, usually, hmm. I guess like you could just start looking at your personality and asking yourself, like, you know, like, Cause we're always like, I know oftentimes it's so easy to be like, well, this is just who I am type of bullshit. <laughs> you know, and like, notice to what qualities do you say that to yourself with or to other people? Right. Cause right. usually that, those are excuses we make to stay in old ways of being that actually don't serve us, but we don't want to face them because we know we'll feel shame and we don't want to acknowledge to ourselves that we're participating in our own suffering and creating our own disruption by being that way. Yeah. And the one I hear all the a lot is I'm too old. I'm too old to change. Oh my god. I'm not, but I'm just saying that's that's a common one that I hear people say is I'm too old to change. That breaks my heart. And there's like, I hear that a lot too, like with my own mom too. Like when she tries to like give me relationship advice for me and my partner, she's like, well, I mean, you're almost over, you're both over 30. People don't change after 30. You're just screwed. You're going to stay this way for life. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> Like I get, I get so like, oh my God, I'm not giving up on you yet. But like, holy moly, this tells me a lot. And like most of my clients are over 50. So, I mean, we worked through a lot of that in the beginning because they're also like, I already spent my whole life being like this. You know what I mean? And hating myself and participating in a lot of self-destructive, self-defeating patterns. Is there any hope for me? And there is. It just takes diligence persistence, resilience, and time. And knowing that within this work, we're always going through cycles of death and rebirth. We have to die unto who we were millions of times, slowly shedding one identity at a time and be reborn again, vulnerable, innocent, and pure without that layer and learn how to be in the world like that. And continuously we're going over and over again. I call myself a metaphysical death doula because I help people die a million times to who wow. they were and needed to be. Okay. Okay. And to be born again into again, like a shinier and shinier version of you. <laughs> I'm picturing you with a cape. 
No. Oh yes, the cape is definitely necessary. That is so true, though. I mean, the old is going to fall away and die, and and I'm so glad. And you know, it's I've I left when I was 39, and I'm now 50, fabulous 50. But I feel like in this short time, yeah, woohoo! In this short period of time that I've been a surreal life because life after trauma is very surreal that I've already lived uh, hundreds of lifetimes. I feel like I've lived the most fullest, the most fullest life I've lived in this short period of time that I've been free of that trauma, that if the Lord finds fit to take me today, I'm okay with that. It's just because I've made all those changes. I've been able to, to be reborn and to um, to discover me again. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I wish that for all of your clients and those that are watching that are going to be your clients, you'll get there. You'll get there. Just take some patience, baby steps, and she's going to walk you through that. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's like we know that old ways won't open new doors. Yes. And the next level of your life is going to require a new version of you. And honestly, it's all about learning how to be with grief. Yes. And learning how to hold intense emotions and growing that emotional resiliency because you're going to grieve even when you're up leveling hardcore. Yes. Because again, you have to acknowledge letting go of your entire life of being someone else that you loved. You still love that version of you. You enjoyed being like that. Right. And so there's pain in the letting go of even what you didn't want anymore. And there's also pain in rising into who you long to be. And then we're just about like mastering the human condition is about loving it all and being here fully now. And that's what we're learning how to do in this work, right? Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's not necessary. Just because that's it's right. messy doesn't mean it's not profoundly impactful and meaningful. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Darrell. I appreciate that. So all of her links are in the comment section. Thank you, Jason and Miss Joe, for watching and joining us today. And if you have any further questions, by all means, go ahead and contact her. She does have a Facebook group, too, that you could take part in. And uh, all of these goodies are in the comment section. So please reach out to her. Go ahead and contact her. I'm sure people can friend you if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I will message you her privately for more information. But we're going to sign off. Thank you for all this goodness. I'm going to have to have you back on. There's just, I think you only just touched the surface of this, honestly. I mean, just a I little did. bit. You just I even like felt a little frazzled because I was like, I want to say so much, but like, what do I prioritize? And everything <laughs> you could like rabbit hole into on its own. So I hope I did a good job of being very general. You also, did. Some you know, more complex aspects that we can explore further at a later time. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. We got to do this again. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Like, I think you're so wonderful and I love your energy you. and the work you do, like for survivals, for survivals, survivors and women and men in general, it's so needed. God bless. Well, thank you. Thank you. And with that, now my, my head's a little bit bigger. We're going to sign off. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so all for joining everyone. us. Yes. Bye-bye.